What is up, everyone? It's another week, so that means we've got another episode of Finding Your Way. If you're new here, my name is Caleb, and I'm your host. I do want to apologize for being MIA these last couple of weeks, but my wife, Kara, and I, we packed up our belongings in Los Angeles and made them move to good old Nashville, Tennessee. We're slowly getting settled in our new home here in Nashville, but can I just say, it feels so good to be here. Honestly, I didn't expect it to feel this good. And if I'm being very honest with you, deep down, like I didn't want to leave Los Angeles. You know, deep down, I knew that making this move to Nashville was right, but I love LA. I really do love that city. And it's always going to hold a special place in my heart. I actually want to do a solo episode coming up soon and really break down and unpack this move and what came up for me emotionally because, yeah, it's a lot. Um, But I can't get over the peace that I feel here in Nashville, and it feels so good. It's kind of like you don't know how much chaos you're living in until you experience peace. So looking back at Los Angeles, especially these last six months, there was just so much chaos, emotionally speaking. But being here in Nashville, God, it feels so, so good. Anyways, I do hope and trust that wherever you are and whatever you're doing or whatever season of life that you are finding yourself in, I do hope that you're just being kind to yourself, that you're showing yourself some compassion and some grace. And I just want to remind you, in case no one has told you this lately, yes, I want to remind you that you're doing a good job. Let me say that again. You are doing a good job. So make sure you show yourself some grace and compassion. You deserve it. Now, about today's episode. I'm excited about this. Uh, I think it's the first episode where I really talk about relationships. And on top of that, I'm talking relationships with another guy, which I'm just really pumped about. Um, Today's guest is Emilio Palafox. It's honestly one of the easiest conversations I've had as there was just so much resonance there between Emilio and I. And I know you're going to get something out of this episode. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of play. Yes, play, even as adults. Learning to play is so incredibly important. And we also break down how your childhood and all that unresolved stuff that you're still carrying from your childhood is governing your current relationships and what you can do about that. It really is a great conversation, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Emilio and his fiance run a group called Relationship Renegades, which really is all about empowering you to create the love and lifestyle that you've always wanted. And I'll make sure to link all of the great work that him and his fiance are doing in the description to this podcast. So with that being said, here's what Emilio has to say. Dude, Emilio, I'm so pumped that you're with me here today. Likewise. I have to say that I I don't know if I've had anybody on my specific podcast um, to talk relationships. Nonetheless, another man on the other side of me to talk relationships. So I'm I'm really excited about this. So really, thank you for taking the time. Likewise, brother. Likewise. Man, I, I appreciate you reaching out. I love the um, um, organic serendipitous moments whether they be in person social media or just like you just feel like there's a vibe and feel like there's a connection there's feels like i need to talk to this person type of feel like i love when the world uh presents moments like that so i feel like this is kind of one this is one of those and so at least for me it is and so no i take it it. 
No, I love that. Um, with every podcast, I usually just open up and ask my guests kind of like what you're leaning into these days. Like what's coming up in your heart? What are you working through? Um, so yeah, we'd love to hear about that with you. Yeah. Uh, what I'm leaning into recently, because, you know, I've been a personal or self-development junkie since I was sixth grade, um, you know, and, and it's because I didn't want to become my father at the time, you know, domestic violence kind of upbringing. Um, and so, you know, have learned a lot since, but will always be a student for life. What I have been leaning into right now <clears throat> to further that personal development, that spiritual growth, that emotional wellness is a few things. One is playing more, to be honest. Oh, I love that, man. Um, <laughs> I love I, that. I, Seriously. We can stop the podcast I, right I, there. So good. I mean, because I think for numerous reasons, um, one, I got to play as a kid, but I was in fight or flight a lot mm -hmm. um, in survival mode, given my upbringing of like my dad being really abusive to my mom physically and, and, and verbally, uh, mainly verbally. But, you know, I've always um, didn't feel I can play full out. And because I was always, um, I always had to just like, I was always like worried and concerned for my mom or what was going to be happening. So it's like, I could never just like relax and just be me and fully just like mm. enjoy a hundred percent my childhood. And so when I think about the moments of playing as an adult, have I absolutely have I traveled all over the world and played? Yes. But it hasn't been like, it has been now, but I'll always catch myself because, and I'll, I'll put it raw and real and just make it in the moment. Like I can, run a million miles per hour mm -hmm. with my passion and purpose with all the work, right? Just like, let's get it done. I'm a hustler. Just, I always have been, you know, I had my first job when I was like second grade selling like chicken eggs in our backyard and trying to mow lawns and fix garages and all these kind of things at a young early age to help my parents like with finances. Cause then that would be one of the reasons why they could stop. And so it's, it's ingrained in me since I was a kid to like, just work, 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 let's make some money. Let's, let's, um, you know, all of that. And so I can get caught up in that <clears throat> and not take time for myself, fill up my own cup, if you will, so that I can continue to give more. And so I think what's been happening recently is I, I joined this men's group a few months ago and, and part of those men uh, have been inviting me to like go surf. And I've been in here in LA for about a year and a half, but I still haven't surfed and I love surfing. I'm like, what is what? So when surfing for the first time here in LA, cause I've surfed around the world, um, like four days ago. Awesome. You know, did that. Um, we went and like tried our new buddy's boxing gym. It's been closed, but he's trying to like, trying to help him out with some awareness. And it's yeah. an incredible boxing gym. We went to go box, um, you know, trying to go to the beach more and just like take calls over there, but like just getting out and like actually taking care of myself first, like go and do what I love, go and have some fun. And as always, and, and uh, you know, maybe you'll agree from that place, it's, it's more of a pull than a push. Yeah. Like all of a sudden I get the three sales calls I needed. All of a sudden this closes. All of a sudden I booked this audition. All of a sudden this happened. I'm like, I think it's God constantly telling me just like, look, you're taken care of. Like, go have fun. You have this life, like enjoy it. Mm. And mm. when you're in that space and that vibration, all this stuff is going to flood in. And it does every time I remember that and do it. Yeah. I think I would say, well, um, I co-sign all of that. That's amazing. When my when I met my now my wife Kara, uh, she's the queen of play, like queen of play. And I've never allowed myself to play. Right, even as a as a young child, life was um, 
I grew up in a very emotionally, emotionally tense household, was always kind of feeling like I was walking on eggshells. So a lot of fight or flight in that regard with me, mm-hmm. but there was never room time for play because there's always uh, more to do in terms of like meeting my goals in life. Right. I learned that at a young age. I was at the track running sprints with my mom in the fourth grade before class even started. Right. I was the last right. one to leave. Wow. Not be- because I wanted to, but because it was like a- an assignment basically. It's like, here's your extracurricular homework. Now go do it. <laughs> wow. um, but I would say like as men, the two like elusive dynamics of life that are so necessary because you, you attested to it. You said it right. When you play, the calls came, right. There's almost like this idea that play is like the dance with life. And we are actually now in step with life, right. When we're not in play and this doesn't mean play doesn't mean like letting go of your responsibilities, right. Right. It's a posture of your heart, right. There's, there's Mm -hmm. this, there's this dance, there's this back and forth with life. And when we actually engage with the here and now and be more present and play, now we're actually in step and we're not stepping on life's toes and getting kicked in the face for it. Right. I love that you said that. And I think that that literally goes into the second thing I was going to say is that living more like the way nature does. Yeah. Um, um, because we are nature and, and there's so many people who talk about that, whether it's, um, first one coming on mind is, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer. Um, mm. one of the books I love of him is, uh, change your thoughts, change your life. When he translated the Tao Te Ching, uh, by Latsu. And, you know, it's like the, and I, and I've known this for just recently, I would say this was maybe like five, six years ago when I was in transition from hitting rock bottom, from doing something completely different in my life to like what I do now. And during that phase, I was such at a rock bottom physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, like everything. I had burned my boats, literally, as Tony Robbins would say. And I got more of a lesson to live more like nature back then. So good. And, and what I mean by that is like, you know, people talk about letting go, letting God or, or God, source, universe, whatever anybody wants to call it. But um, it's like. This morning, I was meditating outside. I was doing some Wim Hof breathing, and I normally start the day with that, and we'll meditate, do some heart coherence, some gratitude, some prayers, etc. And when I open my eyes from that, I hear the birds chirping. I can see the leaves just like dancing on the trees, the, the sun warming up my body, and I am so tuned in and resonant with life at that point. It reminds me, especially with the birds chirping, which I love, it's this like birds don't fly they're flown. Mm. So the more that I'm like, Hmm, when I just let go and let the wind kind of take me, I'm in that lockstep dance that you were talking about. And yeah, I think you said it best. It is very much that. And, and then that goes into really Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, Mm -hmm. if you will, to where if you have this intention of what you want in life and have this elevated emotion, because when I get out of that meditation that I just talked about, and I'm connected with nature. I'm dancing with nature. I'm feeling like I am nature because I am. And I'm vibrating at that. Like I can literally feel myself pulsating and I just feel so good. I have this elevated emotion at that point, right? Whether it's gratitude, compassion, um, just, you know, thankfulness, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, Dr. Joe Dispenza would talk about, right? With that, with that intention or elevated emotion, that's when this nothingness, mm. the, unified, the unified field, that energy turns into matter, meaning manifesting whatever you want. And so it, when I do that more and more, it, things like really do come faster and faster and faster. It's almost, it, it's uh, scary is not the word, but 
um, exciting. Like yeah. it's like playing a video game. Yeah. Good for you, man. That's a good stuff right there. Um, you know, I think people are always talking about hope, right? Like we need hope. Um, I'm looking for hope or whatever. We're always looking for that like light at the end of the tunnel, right? Because life, let's, let's face it, life is hard. One of the greatest, I guess, explanations of hope uh, that somebody said to me a while back ago was because a lot of people, let's face it, think it's hope is just wishful thinking. I'm waiting for this thing outside of me, outside of the present to actually manifest in my life, but I'm doing it at the expense of allowing myself to be present. And yeah. hope comes, right? Somebody said hope is this deep inner knowing and awareness that your life is being held by something outside of yourself, something bigger than you, right? But that only comes when you allow yourself to be actually surrendered to the present. And that really is that play. What play does and what I've realized in my own life as I have also been, I love that you say that, been leaning into what does play look like, especially, you know, just getting married and the new added responsibilities. Like, I'm not worried if I'm the one living under the bridge, right? And it's just me, but now I got a new partner. I got somebody in my life. And so I have this added responsibility. Um, and so I've been leaning into play because I recognize just so how important it is for me and my journey. And the more I play, the more I'm connected to the present, the more I'm connected to the present, the more I experience that my life is being held by something far greater than my ability to hold it together or my ability to yes. perform myself into it. And when I'm being held, there's this inner knowing, this hope that, oh, this is all going to be good, right? Yeah, yeah. I love that you said hope because I feel like while doing that, for me, when I have hope, whether it was ingrained to me as a young, early age, like there was this, there was this hope, which then turned into trusting when certain things would eventually work out somehow or another. <laughs> and then that trust started turning into more of a like belief or that's kind of, they kind of played around in the same uh, playground. And then, and then that really turned into a knowing at the end of all that. So, you know, it was so like good. this hope and believe and trust. And then this knowing, I think literally in addition to play that hope, that trust, that belief, that inevitably leads to knowingness, no let's call it. So good. It's been literally one of the biggest things for me in my entire life. It's like somehow, whatever whatever anybody believes out there that's listening to this, like knowing that you're gonna be all right, knowing that you're going to whatever it is, the goals that you want, like just knowing that that's gonna happen somehow or another, like having that deep knowing and there's ways to cultivate that. Yeah. Biggest, biggest thing for me. And especially hitting rock bottom, that was the ultimate, like, test, yeah. if you will, of, like, knowing that I'm going to get back bigger, faster, stronger, more happy, more so more happy, peaceful, joyful, there you go. And, and, and fulfilled every day and not chasing something. But that knowing, man, or that mm -hmm. hope as it starts, mm -hmm. really, I think, is the biggest thing to, to where it transitioned to knowing because, you know, um, I forget who said this, but it's not seeing like seeing is not believing yeah. to me. It's, you know, believing is seeing right. like when you believe it, you'll start to see it. And, and I think that hope, that belief, that knowing is like astronomically the thing that has catapulted me to beautiful places inside and out. I love that you talk about that because the, the important thing is that we're all looking for that knowing, right? That knowing is so incredibly important because we are always thrusted into uncertainty. Life happens in the mystery and the paradoxes and the uncertainty, right? It's not trying to live life with the removing of all those things because who we desire to become happens because of those things. 
but it's while you're in the midst of the darkness, right? Or the midst of the mystery of life, that knowing from the deep inner parts of you begins to bubble up and you might not be able to logically conclude how it's going to work out. You might not be able to intellectually understand how it's going to play out, but there's a knowing. And what's so important is that that knowing doesn't come unless you engage in the process. Mm. right? That knowing doesn't come unless you engage in the process. I love that you talk about that because for me personally, what knowing does for me is it keeps me in my heart space and living Mm. life from my heart space because it's so easy to be thrusted into, into life full of uncertainty. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. My wife, like take for instance, like my wife and I are moving to Nashville. I'm not moving to Nashville simply because it's the smart, logical decision to do. I'm moving to Nashville. We're moving to Nashville because we feel together as one that our hearts are calling us to Nashville. Let me even back up further. Yeah. If you would have asked me years ago, the last place I would ever want to move or think I would move, it's Los Angeles. Never oh, in my wildest man. dreams did I ever consider moving to Los Angeles, but, and a lot of my audience, they know my story, but when I came out to LA and I was walking the beach at 5 a.m., I came out here to work on a project with a, with, a, with a company out here, not to realize I was moving to Los Angeles, but my heart led me out here, right? And I was just like, oh my God. And so this knowing keeps you in their heart space because the first thing you want to do whenever life gets hard or the mystery or the... Uh, the uncertainty of it all, you want to try to figure your way out. And we oftentimes try to figure it out at the expense of what our heart is actually saying. But the more Mm -hmm. you engage with the process, the more you surrender, the more you let go, the more you trust, the more you actually create your own personal knowing. And now it's not a pros and cons list, right? It's a knowing. Yeah. Knowing. Absolutely. brother. The heart space is so key. I think a lot of people don't talk about the heart, whether it's because it's woo or cheesy or this or that, but it's like, it's foreign, you know? Oh yeah. But I mean like, you know, um, a few years ago, I got, um, I became like a heart math coach and I studied the heart. That's I don't cool. know if you heard of heart math Institute, yeah. but, um, yeah. So then, you know, started to study about the science of the heart. And for those listening, I don't know, you know, who's watching, but it's like, you know, the heart brain. Cause I mean, a lot of people don't know we have, in addition to the head brain, we have a heart brain, a yep. gut brain, we have bacteria in our gut, we got, we're yep. made of cells. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like 90%, like the heart brain sends 90% more information to the head brain than yep. the head brain sends to the heart brain. <laughs> like the heart brain literally can think, feel, and remember independently of the head brain. Yep. Like the heart brain is like exceptionally incredible. Like it's so fascinating. And I think when we start to like breathe through there, focus on there, put our heart on there, like do what you said, do the song and dance, which naturally will get you in that rhythm of like the heart that we talked about. I think you're absolutely right. Like then there's, and that's literally the third thing that I've been leaning into when I talked about early on, the third things is as always, right? Like we can get caught up in the, and I'll just speak for myself. I can get caught up in the going through the motions and, and getting all my things done. And like, again, hustling to, to get all, the things that I want to accomplish personally, professionally within my relationship, all these things. And then they can start running us. But, you know, one thing that I have to practice all the time is to like dedicate time to be still, dedicate time for silence, dedicate time to like do nothing. And that's like literally sometimes the biggest and best thing that I could ever do for my life. Because it's in those moments where I, where I get in touch with the heart and when I'm asking for guidance, when I'm asking for answers, it's always there. And it's crazy to me that I don't go to those places more so, 
you know, and it's like, I think we can just get trapped in a lot of these things. And so you're absolutely right. And I think when I'm there, I love that you used calling mm. because I think we're always called somewhere if we're listening. And I think like when you are finally silent and practice that silence, man, there is so much guidance. Like <laughs> there, and, and it's so many, cause you're aware the, the awareness that you have, like, gets more complex is not the right word, but expanded Yeah. where I'm like, Oh, I start connecting the dots, like the movie limitless almost. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, then it's like, this is probably the way I got to go. That makes so sense. And it's not a logical thing. Yeah. Like you said, it just, it's like, it's a clarity. It's like, yep, that's yeah. exactly it. Like, like you said, I never thought I was going to be in LA either. I met my now fiance um, in June coming up. It'll be three years. And, and I met her back then while I was doing business here in LA and we have a long story, but what I want to say here is that after doing long distance from Austin, Texas to, to LA for about 10 months, my lease was up and in those silent moments, it was a no brainer. I never thought I'd live in California. I never thought I'd live near the beach. Never thought I would do long distance. I would literally tell my friends, I'd make fun of them. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you can do long distance. That's not the way to go, man. Like, why would you ever do that? And when I met her, it was like, how can I not do this? And, and it just called me. I was like, oh, absolutely. So when I let go, it just allowed me to like, like the bird, they don't fly, they're flown. I was flown here and it felt so great. And there was so much magic that happened in the past almost two years that we've been here. It's incredible what has happened. And so I think being called also to LA or being called into anything in life, um, it's such a wonderful way to live. I feel yeah. like because if we knew everything that was going to happen, like how boring would your life be? <laughs> I get that. It, 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 but the hard part is, is it requires a radical level of self-trust, you know, and mm-hmm. also trust in the greater good and understanding that the universe, that God wants you to succeed more than you want yourself to succeed. Like everything is actually working on our behalf and in our favor, right? That takes a radical sometimes for a lot of us who grew up in, um, you know, more pressing situations or dire situations. Like we're not inherently believing that the universe is for us, right? Cause we're fighting our way out. We're clawing our way out and so on and so forth. But I actually want to go back to something that you said at the beginning of our time together, and we'll start jumping into the relationship side of things. You said you grew up inside of a family uh, where your father demonstrated a lot of verbal abuse uh, to your mother. Um, and then so as a result, you were always in that fight or flight uh, place. And so play wasn't as very active as a kid in your life. How did that fight and flight place that you lived in for so long play out in relationships? How did it, mm. um, how did it mold and define your attachment style inside of relationships? Yeah, wonderful question. I'll start off by saying at a very young age, as far as I can go back is like maybe like first grade or second grade. Um, and, and, and even so I feel like a lot of my upbringing, I think in the neuro trimming that happens in the brain and because I didn't want to go back there at times. And I, and I did to like heal those wounds, but it, it, it sometimes tends to be cloudy because I think like I wanted so much to like get out of those moments. But I remember early on, let's just say second grade, um, making a like mission in my life to not become my father. Mm. Like that was my number one goal. And, 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 (laughs) you know, 
I ended up becoming my father yeah. many, many, many times in relationships, even though I did not want to, even though I strived and was got into self-development early on and read a lot of the books and started to like, and, and, and while doing that, I want to, I want to say too, that, well, let's go there later. Let's just stick with this. So sure. the number one mission was not to become my father. And of course, as I grew older, you know, I didn't, uh, I definitely ended up becoming my father a lot of times. And and those were like the 10,000, like toxic relationships I got into where there was a lot of anger inside of me, a lot of frustration, a lot of sadness, but for me, it was a lot of anger. So I would react a lot in relationships yeah. and whether or not they were pushing my buttons or not, I would react. Um, and, and I had a big ego at the time and it was not until I found out later, but you know, the ego, we, we, the, the number one human impediment is that we live in our heads, right? With this constant ego centered, either I'm not good enough, I don't have enough, or maybe I'm better than mentality. Yeah. Right. Just this radio me. And I remember as I went through relationships, I used to be, was always a high performer, let's just say. And um, in that high performing state, people were always telling me, like, man, in relationships, um, man, Emilio, like you're doing this, you're traveling the world, like you're, you're making this kind of money, like you're doing, you know, you're doing all these things. You're like, wow, you're so incredible, blah, blah, blah. And when I started doing a lot of deep inner work, the only reason at the very core I was doing that, and of course it was behind the scenes, it was in the shadows, but it's because I didn't feel good enough. Mm. Like I didn't feel good enough. So I did all these things to like get validation from my relationships that I was good enough. And, and so there was that big component. There was the anger and reaction component. There was um, a lot of drinking and drugs and all of that just like is a downward spiral in a vicious circle. Yeah. And, and when people, and, and, and when you find someone else, I'll say this to kind of wrap this into a bow with all those components in place, and then you attract basically who you are. You know, we, we see what we are and, and we attract who we are. And so I was attracting basically a similar person that was like fire on fire. Like there was, we were fighting like fire to fire. And so when she would push my buttons because there was some healing that she hasn't done and there was healing that I haven't done, it was vicious circle. It was a downward spiral and I couldn't help but constantly react, which worsened her situation. And I would react again, which would worsen that situation. Again, vicious, vicious, vicious. So I certainly became my father, if not more, never physical, but like the verbal, the, 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 the vomit that I would spew that would hurt my relationships. And not only my relationships, but myself, mm -hmm. right? Because, um, so all of this came up, obviously, right? There's a, there's a quote, like, if you don't, if you don't heal your, 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 um, inner child wounds and they're going to show up in your relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, and they certainly did over and over and over, um, until I finally had to, you know, do some more work, look the man in the mirror. Cause it's always, it's always the man in the mirror. Did you see it's this kind of playing out? Moment. Sorry. Did you see this playing out after relationship after oh, yeah. relationship after relationship, like a pattern? hundred percent. Yeah. So that's a lot of the stuff that we talk about, even when our relationship renegades, uh, me and my, my fiance's uh, brand, it's like that self-sabotaging, right? I would self-sabotage yeah. all the time. Um, because I, 
I would self-sabotage all the time. And I would definitely repeat the same patterns over and over and over. Because at the end of the day, going back, and we can dissect this a little bit, but if I don't heal myself, if I'm the same person after, like, you know, a lot, most people, including myself, so this is me talking, get out of the relationship, right? Trying to do my best to, like, become a better person. But sometimes you get into another relationship right away. And you didn't fully take the time and dedicate the time for yourself that you need to be silent, right? To like, you just, people are jumping into the next thing and the next thing in the dating. It's like, man, date yourself. Yeah. Like no one dates their self <laughs> and no one like takes the time to really fill up their cup and to really, and, it, and to me it was, and this may sound cheesy, but it literally, this is the punchline. I didn't love myself mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. And and if you would have asked me back then, like, do you love yourself, Emilio? You know, I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course I love myself. Like, what do you mean? Like, I got all this life. It's all this great stuff. And I'm like, because, but if I did love myself, like I was in a toxic relationship, for instance, let's make this real. Um, let's take one of them. I was in a toxic relationship for like three years. This was like five years ago or six years ago. And um, I knew that I needed to end that relationship like five, six months in. It was bad. So many red flags. <laughs> on her side, but I knew a lot of work that I still needed to do that. I just like hid, distracted, denied, just went through the motions like we do and uh, just continue to drink on the weekends and drink here and get some work done and stay busy and blah, blah, blah. And like just enjoy those little moments that, Oh yeah, see things are going well, but like way over here, there's like 80%, 90% that's like toxic so much. And it was not until I realized like, man, I really don't love myself because if I love myself enough, yeah, like we, we get what we tolerate and I was tolerating this toxic relationship. And if I loved myself enough, I would have said like enough, I'm done. I'm through. I need to like not be a part of this. I need to do me. And I think it was finally through so much deep inner work and so much pain. Cause I feel like if we don't learn the lessons, those lessons, I, I don't know if I want to say get harder and harder, but they, to me, at least they get more painful. It's much yeah. more suffering until you're finally like, until you finally break mm-hmm. and the breaking down is the most beautiful thing ever. Like, it's like, we all need to break these like characters. Yeah. We have these walls that we have. And I think once we break, that's like the biggest opening to like finally starting that healing process to finally start to love yourself, both the good and the bad and everything that you are. And then obviously from that place, there's so much growth that happened to where well, I'll just say this, the healing started beginning. You know, the healing started to yeah. really happen. I vibe with that so much, man. It took a lot of awareness for me to get to that point where it was as a result of the the inner work that I was doing. Because, like, let's face it, the last thing we want to do is look in the mirror and see that in the side of this context of a relationship, I can't control the other person who I'm speaking to, right? But I have to take responsibility for my life. And there came a point where it was relationship after relationship after relationship where I realized, holy shit, this is the same pattern being demonstrated over and over and over again in my life. Like, get this, man. <laughs> I yeah. dated a, a, a girl once who was a, a was in a certain profession. I don't who She probably is not listening to this. She's a, she was a real estate agent. And yeah. it was so crazy because I dated her. She was a real estate agent. She had this specific sheet that she would uh, put on her bed uh, that she loved, good and great. And I also, inside of that relationship, lost my pair of sunglasses, okay? that I love, mm-hmm. Carrera sunglasses. We broke up at six months, um, almost to the dot at six months. I got out of that relationship. 
immediately jumped into another relationship. I started dating another real estate agent. When I visited her for the first time uh, where she, in her hometown, she had that same exact sheet on her bed. And I ended up losing about four months in the new pair of sunglasses, which are the same exact sunglasses <laughs> again. <laughs> And we ended up breaking up six months into the relationship. And I was like, oh my God, like if I can't see this, like, but I use it as a mirror to reflect back to me. But I want you to speak into this because I know people are listening to this right now and they are doing the work. They're really trying to uh, lean in, do the work and work on themselves, but they're not finding the relationship that they're looking for. It's so easy to reflect back to say, man, I must be really, really broken if I've done all this work in my life and I still can't find that person on the other side of me who wants to go the distance with me. Who do, what do you say to that person? Yeah, yeah. Man, first of all, compassion, compassion, yeah. compassion. Self, love, and compassion. That's, that's one of the greatest things that uh, I don't think it talks about I mean, enough is to have self-compassion through your hero's journey mm. is that, and, and a perfect example, just to make this raw and real, like I'm not perfect. I've, 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 I've like healed a lot of wounds and a lot of trauma and I've um, have a beautiful relationship, like an incredibly beautiful relationship. I can literally, this might sound great, but I can die right now and I'd be the happiest man. Like my life is complete. Now it's not to say that I don't have bigger goals and bigger dreams and everything I do, but like, I work so hard to like have this fun, connected, fully alive, healthy relationship. And, but even though I say that prior and then even still things will come up, Yeah, right? The ego will always come up. And it's just a matter of like, when things come up as you do the work, just, there's just more of a spotlight on what you're doing. There's just more of a spot, more of a decision point increased. So like back then I would react immediately in all the relationships. Now, like then it started to have like, right when I was react, it was like a half a second I had. Yeah. Then the deep inner work allowed for like three seconds. Now I'm like at, you know, 15 seconds where I'm like, what do I want to choose right now? Yeah, of course, so internally, well, not go that. Let's, you know what? I'm not going to try to fix her right now. Cause guys always try to fix things with women <laughs> and we should never do that. <laughs> like for, as an example, I'm like, I'm just going to hold her and breathe. Yeah. Because after, after learning certain things, like I've learned, you know, these things. And so I feel like in the moments where you beat yourself up, we're like, man, I'm, I'm attracting the same thing where I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing this thing again, whatever it is. Like maybe it's, um, maybe it's uh, when people self-sabotage, right? They can like text old girlfriends. They could, uh, uh, it could be like uh, whatever their thing. It could be like drinking again, doing drugs. It could be like pornography. It could, it could be some addiction. It could be, um, you know, reacting, yelling, everything we've been talking about, whatever it is that you do, here's a practical tip that I can give. In the moment, whether it's closing your eyes if you're by yourself or internally even when you're in front of somebody or just stepping away and going into a room, do these three things. One, smile. Mm -hmm. And the reason why for the smile is it's a subtle, easy, quick self-compassion, self-love, like, hmm. Second thing, there's me doing it again. And it can be very specific. The more specific, the better. You know, like, uh, there's me drinking. Here's me drinking again. Or here's me whatever. Yeah. But then you become that observer, right? You step out and be the witness. Like, you're smiling. <sighs> there's me doing this again. And then third key thing, get in touch with what's going on inside of you. Right? Like, what feelings, thoughts, emotions are arising 
just be with it, right? A lot of people, we want a reason why we're going to the drinking, reason why we're going to the, the sex addiction, reason why we're reacting, reason why we're doing all these things that self-sabotage is um, we, we, we're trying to distract ourselves, deny, hide all these things that are happening inside of us all the time. So when these emotions are arising, fear, guilt, shame, anger, whatever's arising, identify it. Oh, man, there's a lot of anger right now. Where is it? Oh, man, it's in my chest. Maybe it's in my throat. I can just feel it's tense, right? Like just checking with your body. And the key here on the number three is to like, when you check in and find out what that is, because it's just data, guys. It's just data, right? Is to say, welcome it to the party. What do I mean by that? Is that instead of suppressing, denying whatever is going on inside of us, if it's like guilt, shame, anger, whatever it is, say this, I'm glad you're here and just breathe. Mm. So smile. There's me doing it again. And I'm glad you're here because most of the time when we're beating ourselves up, none of this stuff is happening. And instead of like hiding, suppressing and denying these emotions, they're having power over you. It's like having a beach ball underwater and just constantly holding it down. Once you accept it and you're like, Hey man, anger, I'm going to feel you right now. Welcome to the party. In that moment, you saying, welcome, I want to feel whatever it is that's bubbling up inside that I'm like so scared to feel. When you feel that, immediately you've taken your power back. Come on. And that is no longer having power over you. You have power over that now. And in that moment, you've increased your decision point. And the more you rep that, that muscle gets bigger. That decision point gets bigger to where then you don't, you know, have to beat yourself up as much because your decision point's bigger and you get to grow and learn and and not do those things anymore, not repeat those same patterns. But it starts with being 1% better, starts with that self-compassion of, of not beating yourself up because you're going to, you're going to go like this. I still go like this. Right. But I think those things are so key. As such, uh, you very well articulated and I couldn't agree more. And I love that last, that number three, well, number two, all three are great. Number two, it's really that like um, becoming the observer is so critical, so, so critical to practice that self-awareness and realize that this emotion or feeling or whatever's coming up, it's like, you know, the cloud that's passing through the sky, right? I am not the cloud. I'm watching it pass through the sky. I can observe it. I can get then get curious with it. When I get yeah. curious with it, I it's that Rumi quote. You nailed it right on the head. Like all of those unwanted emotions, treat them as visitors and give them a seat at the table because they're yeah. here to tell you something. They're here to tell you something. And I often find myself, you know, I'll be in conversations with people, whether it's, uh, uh, regardless of who it is, you know, and it's like, Caleb, I did this, Caleb, I'm practicing this, Caleb, I'm doing that. And it's not working. And then I'm like, do you feel what you feel right now? What's coming up right now? Because this is actually the gift that's being afforded to you right now. And almost like what I did in my own life in just regards to healing, I, I made this into a game. I made it into a game where it, when I shifted that understanding, like this isn't like so serious, right? Because as a performance driven person, everything is serious. You got to do more, achieve more, be more, whatever it might be. There's no room for play. I'm serious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I turned it into a game where it become like a treasure hunter. And the treasure was actually the unwanted emotion, the, the, the anger, the frustration, the dread that would bubble up when things didn't go the way that I expected them to go. And I started being yeah. like, I just found the treasure. I reclaimed my power by observing it. I just found the treasure. Now let's go find what this treasure actually has in store for me. 
hundred percent. I love that. Yeah. What it, a great way. I, I, I was a big gamer growing up as a kid. So like <laughs> having that perspective or that lens, it's like, it doesn't have to be some, like, it could be a treasure hunt. I yeah. love that. And it's like, it's like, um, you know, when you, when you look, when people look back, you know, people who have done this for 30, 40 plus years, their life's work, the gurus, the whatever you want to call them, like up there, they're, you know, they always look back. It's almost like uh, the quote of, um, I forget who said this, but, um, you know, there's nothing like really good or bad thinking makes it so. And it's like these, these things in life, like if you look back, a lot of times these people that I'm talking about, will look back and, and even if we ask the audience, like, what were some of the greatest shifts that you experienced in your life? A lot of the times people will say like, oh, it was usually like the hard stuff. Like, oh man, when I went through this stuff, you know, like I became a different person or actually that led me to go to this place or that led me to like, do this thing or start this job or quit this thing, like whatever it is, there was a trajectory shift in those hard moments, but yeah. I don't call them hard anymore. It's just like some of the greatest things like that. That's the, you found the treasure hunt. You found some incredible thing that led you somewhere else. Like it literally is not a, a bad or good thing to me anymore. It's just like that adventure. It, it's just an adventure. And like, I think when we start to have that lens or that perspective shift, it's not good or bad. It's just like crafting you yeah. into the man or woman that you've always that you've always wanted to be, and really who you always were. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Removing the judgment of things is so imperative. It's so imperative yeah. because the anger, it's not bad. The fear, it's not bad. The dread, it's not bad. It's not an indication that you're broken right. or so deeply damaged, damaged goods or whatever it might be. It's a gift, right? And yeah. when you see that, everything shifts. But I actually want to talk about creating space. And I say that because I was honestly somebody like going back to that knowing when I met Kara and my second conversation with her in Kentucky, um, at this retreat of 12 people from around the country, I met this woman and I had this conversation with her that led into probably 3 a.m. on the, uh, in the night, early morning on the back porch, no. on the back porch. And I walked away from that conversation with this deep knowing that I just met and found my person. Right. There's yeah. like, oh, my God, like what it was that yeah. where a lot of times <laughs> in relationships, right, it's yeah, like man. you go six months and you got this pros and cons list on your notes on your iPhone. You lift up your iPhone. You're like one to one, two to one, three to two. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, is she the person? Yeah, yeah. And immediately when I realized, like, I went to that pros and cons list, I was like, she's not the person. Right. And there was this deep, deep knowing. Um, but I. That happened as a result of me creating space in my life for the longest time I didn't have the space to invite Kara into my life and I do believe it happened at a the perfect timing I didn't have the space because I was much like you said I was a guy that it was never enough because deep down I didn't believe that I was enough right and because of shame being such a driving force behind my life the shame that says that I'm not enough life is one big performance after another trying to level up to get to this point that is finally enough but as you know when shame is not when shame is the driving force behind your life it was never yeah. enough it wasn't about the performance I was mustering up it was about me believing that I'm not enough. And until I actually did the healing work of building resilience and awareness around the shame that was driving my life forward for so many years, only then 
did I actually create the space for something as big and beautiful and majestic as my wife now Kara to come into my life? What a creating space for your now fiance, which I even haven't said it yet. Congratulations. Freaking amazing. Thanks, man. Um, Thank but you, what did that creating that space, uh, if it's relevant uh, to you, what did that look like? Oh, beautiful question, man. And, and I, let me just say that I also resonate when you were talking about how you met your now wife, same thing with mine, man. I just like, it was a knowing. Yeah. It was like this, I don't know if I believe in past lives or not. Like, dude, the more I read books dude, and talk to people. yes. <laughs> but like, I'm like, I don't know if I believe, but like, I feel like, I feel like we've had, like, I'm like, it was like a, not like, hi, how are It was like, oh my God, there you are. I found you. Like, dude, I'm telling whoa. you, we had that conversation the week after we got back from Kentucky. I was yeah. like, I don't believe, I don't know if I believe in past lives, but I've met you a million and one times. But at the same time, yeah. I'm like, are yeah. you allergic to dairy? Like, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what your favorite color is, but I have done years of life with you in some other world. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it was, it was, it was like a visceral felt experience. Yes. And of course we talked about it the day after we talked about it. So now it's like, she was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, we verbalized it even at that point, but it was, it was a coming home mm. experience mm. that was way different than anything that I felt. It wasn't like, Oh, a lustful thing or a, a, just a chemistry thing. It was like, it was all the things in one, but more of so like, beautiful a coming home, a, a mm. feeling of home of this is the one. And yeah, I love the way that you said that <clears throat> because it is a creating of space, not only for myself, for others, the world around us, but really that intimate relationship. If you're, if you're choosing to want that into your life, beautiful, beautifully said, ma'am. So, and this is also what we talk about all the time in relationship renegades is creating space so that you and others can feel safe, yeah. seen, heard, and loved. And, and, and a lot of times I didn't feel that in my life. And so let's just be real. Um, so some of the things that allowed me to create more space, um, I'll just start kind of naming some off. And it really started to really exponentially happen when I hit that rock bottom. And a quote, we started, we were talking about Wayne Dyer earlier and I love his work and, you know, another thing that I think he says is, um, or the Tao Te Ching says this, it's the room is most useful in its emptiness, mm. right? Like if I go into a room, it's empty. Um, there's a lot to, you can do a whole lot with it. Like if it's crowded and whatever, there's nothing to do with it. Like it's most useful in its emptiness or like a clay vessel, if you will, like a pot yeah. is most useful in its emptiness. Like I can put water in there and I could, you know, things like that. And so in that emptiness state where I lost this illusion, like in relationship renegades, we talk about killing your Superman to find your wonder woman. That killing of Superman was that illusion of who I thought I was, mm. you know, this, like I used to do, oil and gas finance accounting consulting. And I, and, and when I was a consultant, I was making a lot of money. Um, I'll just say I never hit a million dollar mark back then, but I, I almost hit a million dollars. Uh, you know, could have my cake and eat it too. I was traveling all over the world. I had this, this like sexy woman who was very toxic for me. Uh, had, you know, had a nice car, had a nice house, had that nice reputation, blah, 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 blah. But that was not me. I, I, I had to kill that Superman, if you will, that one that I always thought I needed to become to finally get to a place of nothingness where like I lost everything in my life. Everything started to break down in my life. I lost this relationship, lost these friends, lost that career, got fired for the first time in my life, 
took sabbatical off for a year, turned into two years, slept on the couches, like took everything out of my savings, like humbled AF. And in that of like nothingness state, there was a lot of lessons to be learned. A few things that come to mind are I uh, did men's work for the first time, like shadow work with a group called the Mankind Project, where it's a 24-hour like retreat, if you will, um, adventure. It's like where you get tested physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and I learned so many things there. One of them that I needed to learn was to ask for help. I, given what we were talking about, my upbringing, I always did everything myself. And um, I just didn't know how to ask for help. And, uh, you know, but I learned a lot of vulnerable stuff back, you know, then I learned a lot to be more integrous with myself, to be more accountable to the people, the promises that I kept. I learned to ask for help finally in a lot of these things. I learned to forgive. Yeah. Because um, I needed to forgive a lot of people in my life. I needed to forgive myself, yeah. which was a huge thing. Um, you know, there's this great quote of like, like holding anger or resentment towards someone or not forgiving someone is like drinking poison. So good. And then waiting for the, and then waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. And it was very much that, right? Like I was, it was so toxic for me that once I really, you know, once I forgave, forgave myself and others, that was more space created, right? And all the things that I said before that it was more space. Sorry, someone just called me. Okay. There was a, an opening every time I, hit those moments that I talked about. It was an, it was a cr more space created, more an expansion of, of who I really am. And then in that work, there was also, um, releasing of energy and you can release energy anyway. Right. Yeah. I did some work. I did meditation. I did yelling, screaming, crying. <laughs> you know, I did, um, um, uh, some bioenergetic work, yeah. Just things to like, or yoga, like just think anything that like releases energy, right? And a lot of people don't realize like even tears, a lot of people don't cry, but like tears in, in itself, they, tears mm -hmm. literally have cortisol mm -hmm. and adrenaline in them. So when you release that, like it's releasing stuff. And when you're moving a lot of stuff, like the body keeps the score, right? So when you're doing that, you're releasing stuff, you're releasing that totally. energy out. And then again, then you're open up more and you're, you're, you're creating more of an expansion, more space for beautiful things to come in. And, you know, there's so much to say here, but one of the things I'll say to kind of maybe wrap this up a little bit, we can go deeper in, in more details, but it's this, um, I think the biggest thing for me was, <clears throat> and it goes down with the killing your Superman to find your Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. And what I mean by that, again, I think in life from when we're born to present day, we have these experiences, right? This programming, mm -hmm. things happen to us. And when things start to happen to us, good or bad, whatever it may be, we start to build walls up, mm -hmm. right? To protect ourselves so that we don't get hurt again, right? Um, or whatever it may be, right? And, and those walls can be synonymous with like characters. Like as I had a character that I built up to like um, – mediate, be the peacemaker in my family growing up. Cause I had to make peace so that my dad wouldn't get angry. I had to become like the person to like, I had, I thought I had to save people cause I had to save my sister and my mom constantly growing up in my life. And I, and I actually ended up doing that in a relationship. I had to, I had to like, I ended up finding the women to save mm -hmm. when really all I, I was the one needed to be saved. Right. And that's another story. But like, what I mean is like we, we build these walls up 
and these characters at different moments in our life, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, mainly subconsciously. And when I think about killing your Superman, it's in those, everything that I talked about, that work, whatever work you decide to choose and be consistent with it, what I think about is like, especially for men, because I feel like we need to like get to a point, do something that breaks us down because in that breaking down moment is, is like, we're shaking like, Oh shit, here it is. Like disruption. And there's a destruction of that wall. That's so scary. But if we allow it to deconstruct, um, and a lot of, cause I feel like a lot of my friends recently, and I'll say this, this is important. A lot of my friends recently want to do some deep inner work. They don't know where to start. And they've tried certain things, but they haven't had a big breakthrough yet. And it's like, I almost told him the other day, I was like, it's because they're so strong. Like they're, they're so strong. They have such a strong power or something like that. It needs to be broken. So that's why I'm such a big fan of breath work or like cold therapy or really extreme temperatures, like hot or something that's like really intense because you get to a point where you're about to break. You're like, I can't be here anymore. I can't be here anymore. And like your system is shutting down. It's breaking. And at that breaking point, that's the biggest part because you can be vulnerable at that point. Like when I'm sick, like I'm like, my state of consciousness is different when I'm like high performing. Yeah. Like if I feel sick or not well, like I'm more vulnerable. Like I, I, I'm like, want to feel like I'm, I want to cry. I feel like like weak. I'm like, and in that state, it's like that state where you're about to like remove a character. You're about to like break a wall down. And I feel like whatever the work that you choose for me, I chose certain things that like, Cracked the little crack in the egg, crack in the egg, crack in the egg, crack in the egg until like it finally burst open and it allowed me to see like, oh shit, I had this character of wanting to save people, this savior complex, mm. like, wow. And oh, wow. You know? And, and so I think the work, what created more space for me was all those things, but especially finding things that allowed me to break because that's when I finally start to, to, to be, to identify so many walls, so many characters and it's been this constant removal, right? The unbecoming to where I finally found the Superman, the, the real Superman, if yeah. you will, at the core that was always there. And, and, and coming from that place where I didn't need to prove anything, like I was just like, man, I can finally breathe. I just don't Freedom. care about what anybody thinks about me. I'm just, I'm just me. Yeah. And like, I love me. I love myself now, like finally. <laughs> and then, and then that person is like, people then 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 i would start to find and attract that so much more i love that no i really do love that creating space for me uh in addition to all those things like the forgiveness dynamic was big right and one place that i realized that i was harboring so much unforgiveness was actually towards god and i had to actually forgive god that was such mm -hmm. a big thing for me and a lot of people are like why do you have to forgive god it's god no i have to forgive god for not coming through the way i expected god to come through in my life Right. And I held so much resentment and so much bitterness towards God for not playing out the story that I wanted God to play out. Yeah, um, yeah. And also I, I said at the beginning of uh, uh, when we went into quarantine and make no mistake, this quarantine season has kicked the living shit out of me up and down. <laughs> it was funny because <laughs> I, I responded like those first two weeks and I'm like, yes, this is an opportunity to grow. And then like, you know, two months and I'm like, ah white flag i'm laying on the couch and just binging netflix from here on out i am done <laughs> um yeah, yeah. so i'd say that if anybody's listening and you you're currently harboring guilt towards yourself you're not alone <laughs> um For sure. 
Love yourself. <laughs> um, I just totally lost my train of thought too. But it was the forgiveness <laughs> dynamic. And also, oftentimes there's these disruptions that come into life, right? And, and I heard you say this uh, in other words, right? Like seek out uncomfortable situations. Don't, don't shy away from those uncomfortable situations. That pressure is a cooker and it's going to bring to yeah. surface shit that you need to see. And that's where yeah. the opportunity is. Um, and a lot of times that happens when there's a disruption to life that's out of your control. Right. And so maybe it is the loss of a reputation, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one. Um, maybe the loss of uh, a career path, right? Maybe you have just gotten fired from a job. You just left a relationship, whatever it is, that massive disruption in your life, say yes to it, say yes to it. And obviously you have to be um, yeah. in tune with what's real and what you believe to be truth for you. But I really encourage anybody that's listening into it, addition to what Emilio has said, which has been absolutely pheno- uh, phenomenal, say yes to the disruption because it's in that disruption, the walking away, the letting go, um, that also creates the space. A question that I ask myself all the time is what is one thing I know I need to be doing that I'm not doing? And I asked myself that question probably three or four months months before I met Kara. And the first answer was I knew I needed to quit and walk away from doing, I was a self-employed entrepreneur, but I was doing a lot of uh, digital marketing work. And mm-hmm. I knew I needed to say goodbye to that. The second thing was that I mm-hmm. knew I needed to walk away from my current relationship. And as soon as I did those two things, which were scary as hell, um, because A, the relationship was toxic, but it also was safe because it kept me in a place of not truly being seen and vulnerable and exposed. And like, it, it was safe for me. And I also knew that it was scary to walk away from a security of a lot of money I was making every month. Cause I didn't know what was next. But as soon as I said yes to those two things, cause I knew they were things that I know I needed to be doing that I wasn't doing. It actually then created the space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true. And I feel like, oh, and, and, I feel like in creating this space too, I think early on we were talking about, you know, like we attract who we are and stuff. And it's like, you know, there was an analogy that I wanted to bring up about, um, like, have you ever played around with tuning forks? No, I don't think so. So like a tuning fork looks like, uh, like, you know, like it's like a little, little stick and then it's got a little kind of you at the top. Yeah. 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 And, and um, <clears throat> if, if you have a tuning fork, tuning forks, like you can, if I, if there's tuning fork A, B, and C, let's say in this room that I have, and let's say in the other room, there's also tuning forks A, B, and C. If I'm over here and I strike, if I hit tuning fork A, boom, starts to yeah. vibrate. That tuning fork A in the other room will start to vibrate also. Right? Yeah. And so it's like this law of resonance, like that just happens. Like you tune this and another sound. So good, man. That's a great that's, analogy. That's basically like what I'm, what, when I try, if you think about a visual of like, hey, how do we attract other people? If I'm, if I'm vibrating at A, there's another vibration of A that's also going to be vibrating with me. Like that's who I attract. That's what I find. That's what I create. Well, same thing. Like when we talk about, because um, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about how in creating space, a lot of times it was looking at my triggers. Yeah. Like, we, we often talk about how me and my fiance talk about how triggers are gifts. Mm. If we choose to look at them, like you were talking about your treasure hunt. Like, so it's like almost like having a treasure hunt of like, man, when do I get triggered again? Cause this <laughs> is another opportunity to find what hasn't been healed yet. Yeah. So good, man. If I'm, if I'm reacting and stuff, then it's like, Oh shit, there must be something here that like, why am I reacting to this? Like, it's totally fine. It's either my expectation of something that didn't go right 
or some attachment that I had that didn't go right. Like I'm only creating my own suffering. So it's like every time I got triggered in a relationship or when I was single, it was like, oh, the treasure hunt you talked about, another opportunity to find out what hasn't been healed yet. And the reason why I bring up these tuning forks is if you think about, let's, let's talk about how we have tuning forks in us. And we've gathered and accumulated tuning forks, quote unquote, from when we were born to present day. And what I mean by that is, let's say, let's say, um, you know, as a kid growing up in the domestic violence saying, I thought I needed to save my mom and sister for my dad. And so I had that experience of, of fear, um, sadness, anger. And so you can call like each emotion, maybe a tuning fork, but let's talk about like that experience of needing to save person as a tuning fork. Right. So then I house that. And if I have a filing cabinet inside my body, every every file, I can put a tuning fork in there and file it away. So I have all these tuning forks inside me. So let's take, I'm in a relationship now, let's say years ago when I was in toxic relationships, if somebody did something to me and I reacted, it's because she was vibrating a tuning fork A. And man, as soon as she did that, her tuning fork started vibrating tuning fork A. And I was like, well, my, in the law of resonance, my body has, has a tuning fork A. Yeah. So mine started to vibrate. Ooh, right? <laughs> and it wasn't until I did that deep inner work that it literally, it just in a visual sake, to make it easy here, it was like throwing that tuning fork away. <laughs> so if I was in that same situation now, if yeah. that woman pushed my buttons, I'd be like, oh, man, it's a, I, I don't, I'm not react. I don't have a resonance to that. Like, it doesn't have power over you. There's nothing, I, don't, it's not, it, I don't have a resonance. I don't have that tuning fork. I'm yeah. healed. Like there is that because, and it's so key. Uh, it's Cause now I'd probably be like, man, like this woman or this man is hurt. Mm-hmm. Like hurt people hurt people. Right. And, so I'm like, I'd have compassion for that person, man. They're doing something because because of some reason. Like, we're all product of our environment. I'm like, man, I have some compassion for that person. And and maybe I'll just take a breath because my decision point is increasing now, right? And it's like, it's like this been in this removal of different tuning forks that then when you remove those tuning forks, there's more space. Yeah, that's really you know. Good. So I wanted to provide that visual because I feel like anybody listening on that journey to create space, um, it's that compassion again, like, yeah. Hey, it's okay. Like, um, when those triggers happen and, and you're not that person that you want to be, it's okay. Like, um, there's, there's a, there's a treasure hunt there. Like there's something gold there. Like just know that every time you get triggered, get excited. Cause like, just be still and figure out, Hey, what is life asking me? Like, what is the lesson I'm trying to learn here? I love that. That's, that's, I love that analogy. I'm definitely stealing it from you. Uh, <laughs> so good. Uh, and that's a perfect place to wrap this up, Emilio. I, I can't thank you enough. Honestly, it's been an hour and I feel like we've been on this call for 10 minutes. So I know, man, I know. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on, man, and sharing uh, parts of your story. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. And we're all mirrors for each other. Yeah. So right back at you, brother. You're just uh, your beautiful soul inside and out. And thank you so much for the work that you've done as well. Thanks, brother.